Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. How many of y'all ready to hear a word? Ready to preach one? Promise you I won't take long. That's what every pastor says. And four altar calls later, you're still there. I won't mess up your brunch schedule, I promise. How many of y'all been having a good time in God's house today? Yeah, we had capacity as people everywhere. I, I pray, y'all pray for the kids team. They got 150 kids in there by themselves, just the kids. So y'all pray for them. Y'all brought y'all cheering. Praise God. Praise God. We love it. Um, places at capacity, and it's, it's only because of God. And I believe that God's church needs and is in the middle of a revival. I remember the days right after that pandemic hit, and we didn't know if this would ever happen again. But this still shows me that there is a need in communities for strong houses of worship. Amen? Amen. I'm so thankful that God has brought us this far. So, if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 24 and 25. 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 25. And then I want you to turn, put your finger on John 17, verses 20 through 26. We'll read that later, but just put your finger there. John 17, 22 through 26. Okay? Here we go. 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 25. This has been our theme verse for our series, Together. But God has put the body together. Look at your neighbor and say, Together. Look at your neighbor you don't like so much because you picked them second and say, together. Right. Giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. And the church said, if you're taking notes on this message today, the Bible says in Jedediah 55, 7, that thou that taketh notes shall get it to heaveneth. If you believe that, I got more work to do than I thought. There is no Jedediah in the Bible. Open your Bible, read it. It'll help you. (laughs) Bible may not say that, but the truth is, take notes, because they may not help you in this moment, but they should point you back to a place in God's Word that will help you when you need it the most. Amen? If you're taking notes on this message, I've entitled it this. One. One. Look at your neighbor say, one. Now look at your other neighbor and say it like you an old school preacher. Say, one. Yeah, I hope you had a breath, man. Okay. One. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day, for this is the day that you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you for each and every person that came into this house today, each and every person that's watching all over the world and all the different countries all over the world. God, I pray that I lie down as you rise up. God, don't let this be my word. Let this be your word. Because when your word goes forth, it never returns void. God, I pray that you would open hearts, minds, and ears to be open and receptive to a word that's always and only going to be about Jesus. God, I pray for the one, the one that needs to hear this word the most. Though many are here and many are watching, I pray for the one 
who needs their life to change, the one that needs to know how much you love them. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, everybody said, somebody give Jesus a shout of praise. I was like, why is my neck burning? And I, I, I look behind me, this, this light is like Lucifer's fire on the back of my neck. Lord Jesus. My goodness. Mm. It's a little, a little too quiet in here, DJ. You gotta get this little turn. DJ, drop that track. Like y'all so saved. Come on. <laughs> DJ, they trying to be saved today. It's like, it's like, Pastor, that was my old life. Don't take me back. I'm moving forward in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> How many of you know you can still have fun in God's house? Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. In the Bible, the number four is very important. The number four means a few different things because it represents the word completion. Somebody say completion. It represents a door. It represents creation. It also represents, I love this word, dominion. Represents authority. If you look in the Bible, there's, there's many different references, um, but there, the, the reason for, for example, uh, represents dominion because the very name of God in the Hebrew language is Jehovah. It is represented by four characters, J-H-V-H. So the very name of God takes us to four. But then when we talk about completion, so many things are not complete unless they come in a set of four. We only get direction on our compass, north, south, east, and west. There's four directions. We get a complete picture of Jesus when we look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If we look at the cross, we see a full picture of redemption because a cross has four points, a top, two sides, and a bottom. And I love it because because our restoration with God speaks to the bottom and the top of the cross, but our restoration and relationship with each other speaks to the sides of the cross. There's four points of connection, a connection with God and a connection with humanity. But then I love that it speaks to the completion of seasons, times. We have a spring, summer, fall, and winter. And I love this because these specific times come from the fourth day in creation when the sun the moon and the stars are created to mark out sacred moments of time so that we have seasons in which we can operate by. Four is a very number because four makes things whole. Four makes things complete. We have fought for four years just to be right here. And God, I want, like, because some of you are, well, you just in a school, don't seem like much to me. No, no, no. We fought to be exactly where God wants us to be. 
I believe God is completing something in that last season that's going to prepare us for this next season. You see, not only will we continue to move in the grace of God, but here's the, here's the heart of what I want you to have today and why we've been turning up so much. I need us to have a heart of gratitude in this house. We got to start being thankful for what God has done and what he is going to do next. Like we can't even move forward if we can't thank God for what he's done. We got to thank God for what he has completed in us. Amen. In the last four years, we have completed some amazing seasons together. Did you know that Cool Church has its own day in two cities in South Florida? You only thought it was one. We got two. In West Park on January 26th is Cool Church Day. And on September 30th in Miramar, it is Cool Church Day. And the church said, we did that together. We have partnered with multiple middle schools, high schools, Habitat for Humanity, Feeding South Florida, Convoy of Hope, different senior centers in the community, AWAM, the city of Miramar, all to deliver aid for those that need it, but not just in this city and all over the world. We did that together. We have, as a congregation, given over $4 million in tithe and offerings to see God's work move forward. We did that together. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm mad I'm giving in God's house. God loves a cheerful giver. People are connected to this house and they are watching right now in 47 different countries around the world. We did that together. Do you know that we have an average of 1,500 people that attend our weekly services in person and online? We did that together. We are reaching the next generation. I told you there's literally 150 kids that are from, ele uh, excuse me, from elementary all the way down to nursery. And you can probably add another 70 to 80 youth. But usually we average anywhere from about 120 to 150 uh, under the age of 18. People that are under the age of 18. But it looks like God is doing something there. And he is growing how many youth we have in there. Because he's trying to tell us that he's using this church to develop the next generation that's not happening in every church in America they don't see those types of numbers and I believe that God gives us the youth because he knows he, we can trust us with the youth we did that together we have a blossoming discipleship program that graduated over a hundred participants last year and in the first cohort this year we already got 50 people in the class we did that together helping us have a stronger biblical foundation we're about to start our very first ever starting this Wednesday midweek service after four years of looking for space consistently and we built the cool house this year so we can have a midweek service so we can go deeper in God's word and connect with each other in the middle of the week we did that over 341 people have been baptized in water at this church. We did that together. But this is the one that if you don't get up out your chair, throw something and do a cartwheel, I don't know what to say. Over 2,440 people have been saved or rededicated their lives to Jesus Christ. You bet. Some of y'all way too calm. 
for me. The kingdom is literally expanding because of our efforts together. And there's 2,500 more people that are in the kingdom today because we decided to band together to lift up the name of Jesus in this city. I wish there was somebody that would give God some praise in this house today. I told you the number four represents completion. God has completed some stuff in that last season, but I also told you that it means a new door. I also told you that it means creation. I also told you that it means dominion. And we have done a lot together as a congregation, but we cannot stop now because God has used us to complete some things. And I believe because we've completed some things in this fourth year, God's going to open a new door of opportunity for us to walk through in all authority and dominion of the kingdom so that we can accomplish the mission that he has called us to. If you believe it, say amen. So today, I want to move forward with a prayer of unity, but not just any prayer. I want to pray the prayer that Jesus prayed for you and me. We will not move forward in this house until we pray what Jesus prayed over us in 2023. John 17 verses 20 through 26 read like this. I love this prayer. And just to give you context, this is before Jesus is betrayed. He's preparing his disciples because he will no longer be here physically on this earth. He knows that the cross is coming and it's not something that he went into joyfully he said god not my will his human flesh his nature it was it was it was antagonizing for him to think about the cross that before him but he says god not my will let your will be done jesus didn't skip to the cross he wasn't happy about it it pained him in his flesh in his mind to have to do such a thing and he knew he had to prepare his disciples because one day he would not be there one day he would not physically be there for them, to teach them, to correct them, to encourage them. So he says a prayer first for himself as he's thanking God for the mission that he is entrusted with. He knows that the cross is before him and he's praying for preparation to be able to go into that. But then he says a second prayer. After he prays for himself, he prays for his disciples. He prays for the 11 that he knows will still be there after he is betrayed by Judas. He prays that God will strengthen them and that, and that he will remain in them and they will remain in him. They are his, his chosen. He prays for them. And after he prays for them, he prays for us. And this is the prayer that we will say before we move one more step in cool church. John 17, 20 to 26. My prayer is not for them alone. That them he was talking about was his disciples. My prayer is not for my disciples alone, my original. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That, I love this, all of them may be one. Somebody say one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Wow, what a prayer. I have given, oh my God, this don't get you excited. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one 
as we are one. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you have loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Amen. Like you should highlight that in your Bible. That is a specific prayer from the mouth of Jesus. And I, I love this passage of scripture because Jesus wasn't praying for himself. He did that already. He wasn't praying for the other 11 disciples that would not betray them. This prayer is literally for us. The ones he knew that would come to salvation because his original disciples preached a message. When you read this, you should literally read this like Jesus is personally praying this over you. I love this because when Jesus prays for us, what does he pray for? He prays that we are one. What's Jesus praying for? He's praying for unity amongst us because he knew what would happen. He knew what we would be faced with in 2023. He knew what we'd have to go through. He knew all the divisiveness that we would encounter. So Jesus, before he goes to the cross, the thing he prays to God for for us is that we would be one. One in what? Jesus prayed that we would be one first with each other. We would be one with each other. Let's break down the first part of this verse. John 17, 20 to 21 say, my prayer is not for them alone. We've already discussed, that's the disciples. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. That is such an important passage. Let me ask you a question. When you was a kid and you got hurt, who was the first person you cried out for? Uh-huh. Mama! Mama. We always cry for mama first. Why we don't cry for daddy first? I'm gonna tell you why, because I'm a dad. We don't cry for daddy first, because daddy don't respond the way that mama respond. Mama, oh my baby, oh my little baby. Daddy, I'm hurt. Walk it off. Shake it off, son. Are you dead? No, you good. Dad doesn't respond the same way that mom responds. When, when we get hurt, mom, we, we always call for mom because there's a different care and a different attention, a perceived care and attention that mom pays to you that you believe that dad doesn't pay. Now here's the truth. 
Dad is fully capable of doing exactly what mom is able to do. But you don't call dad. You call mom because you believe that the way that mom responds is going to make the situation even better than it would then if dad responds because dad does not respond the same or react the same way that mom does. It's funny. We got all these capable people in our lives that can do things for us, but we all always call on the same person when we're in trouble. You say, well, what does that have to do with this verse? I find it interesting that with all the capable people in our life that can lift us up in prayer, when you're going through something, who you call first? Pastor! Or you call mama! Or you call grandma! You know why you call those people? Because you believe that there is something a little more spiritual about them than you. You believe that there's something a little more spiritual about them than the other people you could possibly call. How how you know this? Because I've been a pastor for 18 years. So people, I've I've watched people pass by other people that could pray for them. I need the pastor to pray. Why? (laughs) Sister Brenda was good. She could have prayed for you. Or Brother Tom was good. He could have prayed for you. No, I need to pray. Or, or, or you know you out there acting fool because we all had them times. Listen, man, I was young and I, and I was dumb and I, I always said this line. Man, thank God moms was praying for me. <laughs> or thank God grandma was praying for me. I, I, I guess what I want you to understand in context to this verse, you may have a perceived person in your life that has spiritual value that makes you turn your attention to when you're trying to have a request when you're in trouble but what happens when that person don't show up for you what happens when mama ain't there to pray for you no more what happens when the pastor for whatever reason I ain't there what what happens when pastor Joe ain't there to pray for you What, what happens do you begin to lose faith because you in trouble and the, 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 the spiritual powerhouse in your life didn't show up? God wanted me to tell you some, tell somebody this. Somebody needs to be reminded when the pastor don't show up, when mama don't show up, when grandma don't show up, whenever your spiritual advisor don't show up, you need to go back to this doggone verse in John and understand that before your mama ever prayed for you, before your pastor ever prayed for you, before your spiritual advisor ever prayed for you, Jesus prayed for you personally. So you're like, oh, I need somebody to pray for me. Jesus did it. He already did it. And here's the thing. Do you think this is the last prayer that Jesus has prayed for you? The Bible literally says that he is up in heaven advocating for you. He is talking to the Father. Hey, listen, I know they're a little wild, but God, you got to see their heart the way I see their heart. Jesus, before he goes to the cross, you are on his mind. We are on his mind. And he is pouring out private prayers for you 
And that didn't stop after he went to the cross. He literally is doing the exact same thing for you right now. Yes, sometimes your pastors won't be there to pray for you. Yes, sometimes your mama ain't going to lift you up the way that you need to be lifted up. Sometimes that elder may be there. But when nobody is there, what I always remember in my spirit is that Jesus is always thinking about me. Jesus is always praying for me. And over 2,000 years ago, he said, a prayer that set my life in motion because he knew his disciples was going to say something to somebody and that somebody was going to say something to somebody and that somebody was going to say something to somebody and eventually there'd be a young man from Carroll City that heard a message about Jesus from somebody and he knew that I would believe that message so 2,000 years ago he prayed a prayer because he knew somebody was going to tell me about him and I would need strength in 2023 to keep believing in him so he prayed for it we are all the result of a message that's been passed down for generations and Jesus knew we would be here so he's like hey before my future sons and daughters come let me set a prayer in motion for them I know my disciples going to need my prayers. I pray for them, but let me pray for them kids that's coming in 2023. Let me pray for these children of God that are coming in 2023. And I love this because not only does Jesus want you to recognize that he personally prays for you, when nobody prays for you, Jesus is always praying for you and will continue to. But he wants us to know that we are one. Just as he and his heavenly father are one. Yo, that's another level of together. He's saying, wait, like me, me and Jesus and me and the body of Christ, we connected the same way that Jesus is connected to God. That's a whole nother level of relationship. That's a whole nother level of connection. And I love this because I feel like we forget this a lot of times in 2023. Preaching so hard, my pen's falling off. I feel sometimes we forget this in 2023, but the early church, the Bible says this about them, Acts 4, 32. It says, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Do you hear what I just said? The multitude of them, them is the early church that believe we're in one heart and one soul. Here's the difference between them and us. One, they face persecution from every side. They could literally be killed for lifting up the name of Jesus in the street or thrown in jail. We get to come in here and we get to have Cool Corey and the marching band and hear good words and had a DJ on stage. And none of us really felt persecuted for coming in here today, did we? It's something funny about persecution that brings people together. Something about a struggle that gets people connected on another level. You see, these people heard this message about Jesus and they knew that at any moment, their life would be in turmoil just for, just for believing in something. So they banded together on another level. The Bible says that they were of one heart, of one soul. I love that word heart because the great theologian Albert Barnes, the way he puts it, it says, that word heart can be taken to mean a tender union. A tender union, meaning to feel like or 
be attached to the same thing. To be attached to the same thing. The more alike you feel, the more lessly the more or less likely you are to succumb to dissension. So, so, so what, what was the great theologian Albert Barnes telling us? He says, believers, we have to have a tender, a tender union because we're attached to the same thing. The issue that we see in the times that we live in now, and social media has exposed a problem that's always been there, we don't see in church what we're attached to. We see what divides us. We see what separates us. We're, we're also focused on what makes us, well, my church got turned up worship. Well, my church got a good preacher. Well, my church got discipleship. Well, my church got, my, 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 when, it, when was it ever our church? That my church thing bothers me. Like, like, yes, I'm glad that you come to cool church, but it's not any of our churches. It's God's church. It's his church. We've taken ownership over something that doesn't belong to us. And because of it, we have divided ourselves from one another instead of attaching ourselves to the owner of the house. If we're attached to the owner of the house, then it doesn't matter what kind of differences we have because we're all going to come under alignment to whatever the owner of the house says. But because it's my church, then you got people on pulpits that say, if you ain't like this, you can't be here. This ain't my church. This ain't Joanne's church. It's God's church. That's why all are welcome. Because the God that I know that's the owner of the house said that he would have it so that not one of his little ones should perish. So if God don't want any of us to perish, if God desires to reach all of his children, who are we to say who can come and who can't come into God's house? Because it ain't our house. It's God's house. This separation amongst churches, this, this, this divisiveness must cease because here's the truth. We need more churches. We need a church on every corner because the world is a mess. And you know what? There's going to be a lot of different churches because culturally there's lines that divide people and all kinds of stuff. And at the end of the day, I'm not even mad at the different churches, but we have to understand there may be different churches, but we all trying to get to the same heaven. Like, can we attach ourselves to that? Because I've attached myself to heaven, I don't have time to fight with my brother and sister. I'm a citizen of heaven. Why am I fighting with a citizen of the same place? If we're brothers and sisters in Christ, if we are citizens of heaven, then our goal is not to divide the kingdom. Our goal is to add to the kingdom. When you invite people to church, thank you, sister, for doing that. What you are doing is adding to the kingdom. We are creating more citizens. The reason that the church is not strong is that we are creating members. We're not creating citizens. Oh man, I wish somebody heard me. What kind of membership class? Yeah, we got a membership class, but I'm not trying to make you a member. I'm trying to make you a citizen. <laughs> this my, this my church. Stop that. That's not what Jesus Christ died for. That's not what he's praying for. He doesn't need more members. He needs more citizens. I, 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 I love this though. Here, here, here's the kicker. And this is where, this is a heart check for us. Jesus believes in the church so much 
that we have made our church instead of his church. He believes in it so much, he's willing to, uh, he's, he's willing to risk the validity of his message on us. Oh man, look, look at this. Look, like, like, listen, I got a business. There's certain people I don't trust with my business because I know they're going to mess it up. I know if I leave them in charge, it's going to be a hot mess, right? But Jesus is wild. He built this amazing thing called the church and trust us with it. Trust us. Like I wouldn't even trust me. I know me. Look at this. Look at this. It says, it says, May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus wants us to be one and he wants us not to just be one with each other, wants us to be one with him so that may they be one in us so that the world may believe that you sent me in this prayer. Listen to this. I want to make it sound as harsh as it really is. Jesus is giving the world permission to judge the validity of his entire message based upon the unity they see in the body of Christ. That's real. So when we're fighting each other, we're being a bad representation of the message of Jesus and Jesus is saying to society, hey, I trust my church so much I'm believing that they're going to show you a unified body because if you see the unified body, then you see me. But there are too many places and too many people that have caused division in the church and we are literally, literally stripping the validity of Christ's message. We are stealing. People don't see the love of Christ in God's house and then they say things like, man, Jesus ain't real. Look at the people that follow him. Look at look who follow but, 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 but I, I love, man, this is why Jesus is just like the best. Like, he believed in us so much. Y'all, he was willing to risk the entire kingdom on us, on us getting it together. Like, and I said this last week, but like, if, or maybe the week before, if you got beef with somebody in the house, cut that out. Cut that out, because you're destroying the validity of Jesus' message. You're, you're stripping the power of the cross in your, with your beef and your unforgiveness. Kill that. In that, go up to them at the church, even if they ain't asked for it, man, I'm sorry. Like, you know why I stayed married for 15 years, about to be 16? Because even if I ain't, even if, even if I know I ain't wrong. Girl, I'm sorry, I just want to keep moving forward. Like, we wouldn't be celebrating our love if we couldn't find compromise. How are people going to celebrate the church when we can't find compromise? When they sell, like, this, this is bigger than a birthday today. This is a show of unity. This is a show of force in the kingdom. This is a display to the world. Wow, I want to be a part of that church because that church looks like Jesus. That looks like a church that Jesus can trust. That looks like a church that Jesus' power manifesting. That looks like a church where if Jesus was walking in this earth right now, I feel like Jesus would be at that church. Why this church? Because this church is a united house. We're a house that is together and we are providing validity to the message of Jesus. So in other words, Jesus is telling us, hey, 
We must be one because the world is watching. The world is watching. The world will know that God sent Jesus because we are one. Jesus prayed that we'd be one with each other, but he also prayed that we would be one with his glory. Oh my gosh. Jesus, Jesus prayed for me that I'd be one with his glory? Jesus. John 17, 22. I have given them the glory that you have gave me. Did you hear that? I have given them, it's the best, better than any Christmas gift, any birthday gift you could ever get. I have given them the glory that you have given me. Jesus said, God, the glory you gave me, I give it to them. That they may be one as we are one. We are unified in Christ's glory, y'all. Like that should get you so excited. But I know why people ain't excited because they're like, all right, how do I like quantify like glory? Like what does that actually mean? Like, all right, I got his glory. I don't feel so glorious. Right? Glory, if you break it down, it breaks down to this Hebrew word doxa. Doxa. And I love that because it means the most exalted state. It also means of that condition with God the Father in heaven in which Christ was raised after he had achieved his work on earth. I'm going to read that again and then I'm going to give you a simpler meaning. Of that condition with God the Father in heaven to which Christ was raised after he had achieved his work on earth. Glory, doxa. Here's another meaning. In other words, what that's saying is after the resurrection, Jesus walked around with a different swagger. He was different when he was raised. He wasn't the same dude that was like, oh God, not my will, let your will be done. I ain't saying Jesus was a punk. He was never that. Like Jesus, he was, hey, he was, he, Jesus was a G. Right? But he was also human. The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus is the son of God, savior of man. That's the theme of the book. But in order for him to be the son of God and the savior of man, he had to be a man. He still had flesh. He still had to fight his flesh. But when he was raised from the cross, that wasn't the same Jesus. The only recognition we have from Jesus before the cross is the nail scars in his hands and feet. The pierced side. He was like, hey, I'm going to keep these scars because I need to let you know that you caused me these scars and I took these scars for you. But I ain't the same dude that y'all put in the ground. Matter of fact, I'm, I, I, I know I'm not the same, but here, here's the thing. If you don't believe that, I'm going to be out. But when I come back, I'm coming back with my crown. I'm coming back with fire. I'm coming back with an army. Y'all play around if you want to. Jesus Christ is coming again. Why? When he was resurrected. He came back in full glory. He came back with a different swagger after the cross. So what does that got to do with me? Before the cross, he lived in anticipation of his mission, the cross. Now, with the cross in his rear view, you have to imagine that Jesus came back walking in victory. You got, you got to like I, I can just see like Jesus walking different after he got off the cross. Like... You good? I'm back. Like Jesus had like a whole different swagger about him. And he's saying, hey, I got a new swag now. Guess what? I give that to you too. I'm trying to just simplify that word glory for you a little bit. 
You see, the resurrected Jesus was different than the Jesus headed to the cross because he came back with all his glory. He came back with all his swagger, all his doxa, his most exalted state. And Jesus shares that with us. Let me tell you something. It is time for the world to see us in all of our sanctified glory. If Jesus saved you and set you free, then here's what the world needs to see. They need to see the same sanctified, brought back to life you, not the busted, disgusted, beat down, depressed, one foot in the grave you that Jesus resurrected you from. That's why you got a testimony. Before you knew Jesus, you were one way, but after you know Jesus, you are another way. And the world does not need to see Christians that are depressed. The world does not need to see Christians that are toe up from the flow of. The world needs to see Christians walking in all their glory, in all of their swagger, we got a pride about us. It's a kingdom pride. The world needs to see us confident. The world needs to see us with our chin up and our shoulders back saying, devil, you can't defeat me. I step on your head every chance. I get you already defeated in the mighty name of Jesus because he that lives in me is greater than he that lives within the world. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And I'm not who I was yesterday because today I get to walk in the glory of the most high God. If you believe it, say amen. Stop walking around like you weak and walk in your glory. Jesus shares his glory with us. Like, would you ever want to follow Jesus if his followers didn't walk around in their glory? Y'all, the world is watching us. I'm a Christian, but I'm just waiting on God to show up. Stop that. Listen, he may not have done it today. He may not even do it tomorrow, but it doesn't matter because my circumstance does not define me. I'm walking in glory, baby. I'm walking different. The world cannot get me down because Christ lives within me. Like put a stinking smile on your face. I'm Christian. Hmm, okay. That don't look glorious to me. You look notorious, not glorious. Put a smile on your face. Have some joy in your spirit. Listen, you're not who you were before Christ saved you. You are saved and sanctified. What does sanctify mean? It's the process of us becoming more and more like Jesus. I ain't perfect, but I'm getting better every day. Because I share in his glory. Amen? Amen? But finally, not only did Jesus pray that we be one with each other, he didn't just pray that we be one with his glory. He prayed that we would be one in his love. John 17, 23. I in them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me. That sounds a lot like the last verse. Our unity is going to help the world show that Jesus is real. So our unity provides validity to the message of Jesus. But then there's something different that John adds on the end of this as Jesus has prayed it. It says, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them 
even as you have loved me, have loved them, even as you have loved me. Jesus acknowledges once again that our unity reveals his validity, but he adds and have loved them even as you have loved me. Here's what I've realized. It's hard for you to be one with God's love if you don't know how loved you are. Like you are so loved. You're so loved. Like I love that Jesus doesn't even use the word love. He uses the past tense uh, uh, version of the word love. He says loved. That they have loved. I have loved them as you have loved me. And John is the writer of this gospel through eyewitness accounts. John, one of the sons of Debbie, declared that I was the one that Jesus loved. This is a common theme throughout his book. And probably the most famous passage in all the Bible has that word, loved, in it. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son to condemn the world, but through him it might be saved. For God so loved. If I could be honest, man, I've tried in my human mind, but I don't think we can ever fully grasp how much God loves us. And I don't think we can fully even grasp the kind of love that Jesus is talking about in this verse, because it's not just love. He loved us. Put up that picture for me. I was trying to really get my, wrap my mind around like the past tense of loved, of love, loved. Like, I hope you know by now, I love my daughter. I love my wife. I love my daughter. I love my mother. I love my father. I love my family. I love you. I love, but loved. Let me explain what's happening in this picture. This was June 20th, 2014. I was working at a, my previous church. You just saw the pastors of my previous church, Pastor Richard Robin Wilkerson. I love y'all, mom and dad, they're amazing. Spiritual parents, love them. Um, and we're doing this big old conference and at that time I was like the creative uh, pastor of the church and I was doing a lot of stuff at the conference. And um, I have found out that that little girl was arriving at Miami International Airport um, on a plane from Haiti. And um, if, if you don't know the story, uh, seven years into my, me and my wife's marriage, man, we'd always try to have kids. It still hasn't happened through natural birth yet, but I still believe it will in, in the name of Jesus. I believe that. Confid I'm confident about it too. I really believe. Hey. If Abraham had to wait 25 years, I'm good. I mean, baby, we're going to be a little older, but that's all right. As young as you feel. So, he's trying to have kids, man, wasn't happening. He said, man, we got a lot of love to give. Like, let's give it to somebody. 
and through a lot of different channels, Valencia. Valencia popped on our radar and June 20th, 2014 was the day I knew she was coming. I said, hey, I love y'all, boss, I love you, but I gotta go. I gotta go and I left what I was doing. It's the middle of the biggest conference we're doing all, all year. It's like, I love y'all, but I gotta go. Cause I've been waiting. I've been waiting for a long time to see this little girl. And the picture that you're seeing is me at a terminal in Miami International Airport. And she walked through this terminal and I, 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 I picked her up and I held her in my arms. And at times she couldn't even speak English. At that time, she didn't even know who I was. So she just smiling because she's like, America, yay. <laughs> but you see that look on my face? You see that, you see that grin on my teeth? I, I, I want you to look at our eyes. She had eyes of excitement because she was experiencing something new. But can you see the love in my eyes? You see, what, 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 what you have to understand about this, this very photo is that before June 20th of 2014, my wife can tell you about the nights that we cried about it and we had conversations. It's like, babe, I got so much love to give to somebody. And I ain't got nobody to give it to. Ah, I'm a thug, I can't cry. Ah. Nope, I swallowed it, I'm good. Has so much love to give. And she could tell you them conversations. I was like, I just, I need somebody. Like, I want to be a dad so bad. She wanted to be a mom so bad. So we, we just had this love built up, but love is like, love is a crazy thing because when it's built up in you and you don't have nowhere to send it, you don't know what to do. So I was, I was getting frustrated because I had, I had nowhere to send my love. And then one day, wow. That beautiful little girl got off that plane. And she ain't know me from Adam. But I just allowed God to let all the love that I had built up in me to be poured out on her. I'm trying to get you to understand the context of when God says, God so loved the world. I loved her before I knew her. I was just waiting for the opportunity to express it. Could you imagine a God at the beginning of the universe? The Bible says God is love. He's like, I got all this love to give, but I need somebody to give it to. If you can understand how much God has loved you, he loved you before you ever knew he existed. And when God looks at you, he don't look at you in shame. 
He doesn't look at you in guilt. He doesn't look at you for your past. All he can do is look at you through the eyes of love because he's loved you. He loved you before you was born. I wanted kids for seven years. I had love for her before she was born. She was four. She was four. God opened the door for me to express my love. At four, God gave me a vehicle to make my love complete. She had no idea back then how much her daddy had loved her. And I, I wish somebody in this room would hear me today. I'll be with tears in my eyes because I need you to understand that you are so loved. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter what you were born into. God has love for you before you knew who he was. This is the God that we serve. Says he's so loved. And John wants us to know through the very words of Jesus that God didn't even wait for the world to turn to him to love them. Before she knew me, before she ever said I love you back, I loved her. I loved her. It's a love. The love that Jesus had for us, it's a love that predates our understanding of time itself. It's it's a love that started before you and it's going to last long into eternity. It's a love that you can do nothing to earn, but it's been there. You just got to choose to accept what's always been there for you. This love that Christ loves us with, it's been a love from the beginning of time itself. And love it needed something to reveal itself to because you cannot fully express love without something to express it on. You were created out of love. I want you to understand this. God's love is the key to the mission of Christ. And it's why he sent his son. For God so love the world he gave the love he had before you knew what love was is what forced his hand to send his son love I want you to hear this inspired the mission of redemption and we know that Jesus is redemption before creation because first Peter 120 says God chose him as your ransom long before the world began but now in these last days he has been revealed before your sake before the world began to spin, love had a plan to save you. Before the earth ever began to move, love had a plan to redeem you. And the mission of love predates our creation because we've been loved. And there's always been a plan to love you and redeem you even before you would ever even acknowledge love itself. You see, ultimately as believers, 
we got to be one in love because what's the point of knowing that you have been loved by God if the world does not see our love for each other what's the point for John 13 35 says by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another love one another the world will know it is so loved by God when the church is one and is love for one another. You see, I need somebody to understand God's not going to force his love on you. Much as I love that little girl, I couldn't force my love on her. I had to love her and I had to wait for her to choose to love me back. It's a choice. It's a decision. Because love never forces anything. Love is always on a mission to give you a choice to choose that love is the key if you take love from a gift you get pride if you take love from holiness you get self-righteousness if you remove love from the gospel you get manipulation if you remove love from mission you get conquest and if you take love away from unity, you have tyranny. God doesn't want to control you. He wants to love you. And our job as believers is to leave a legacy of love. In year four, I pray that we will come together and be one in Christ so that the world would know us for our love. Amen? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I tried to break down God's love for you in such a way, but even in my interpretation, I'm, I'm, I'm only speaking from the view of a father. And that's what God is to all of us. I don't know where everybody in this room comes from. But I do know that God loves you. But it's even better than that. He's always loved you. There's nothing you can do to earn the love of God. God, because he is love, is just waiting to pour out his love on you. But you still, because he loves you, have to make a decision to love him back. And with every head bowed and every eye closed in this place and watching online, I would just wonder if there's somebody in this room that would say, I need to receive the love of God in this place today. I, I, want, I want to be so loved and I, I want to receive that love because I've never experienced a love like that before. If you're in this place and you're online and you say, I need Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, let me tell you something. Jesus loves you so much, he was willing to give his life for it. Everything about the cross was for you. And 2,000 years ago, before you ever existed, before he ever went to that cross, he prayed for you. He prayed for you because he loves you. I need you to understand before you're able to love back you gotta first accept accept the love 
that has always loved you. If you're in this place today and you say, I want to accept that love of Jesus. That's my call. I'm not asking you if you need a healing. I'm not asking you if you need a promotion. I'm not asking you that stuff. I'm asking you if you, if you want to accept the love of Jesus in your life. The only way you can do that, accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. If you want to accept the love of Je a love that has always loved you. There's a heavenly father that loves you so much and he just wants to pour out his love on you. He's been pouring it out, but you got to open your heart to receive it. I'm praying for the person right now that wants to open their heart to receive the love of God. On the count of three, if that's you in this room, I want to receive God's love. That's the call you're responding to. On the count of three, no matter where you are, maybe you said this prayer before, hey, maybe you've been running. It's time to come home today. It's time to receive that love today. Maybe you've never said it. It is time to come home today because all of heaven is awaiting your presence so that they can celebrate the love that you have received from him. If you want the love of Jesus right now, right now on the count of three, you want to receive it on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise it up. Raise it up. Hold it up. Hold it up. Hold it up. High enough and long enough for me to see it. I see you and 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 you. If your hands up, stand up. It's scary. Love is very scary, but it's necessary. Come on, stand up. Stand up. Yep, 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 yep. Set all those you so you know you're not alone. If you did that, I want you to come down to this altar. Let me pray with you. Everybody standing. Come. Come now. Come now. Come. Come now. There's love here. Come on. Come on. Don't leave yet because you're about to miss a miracle. This is the greatest thing that's going to happen all day. Don't leave without seeing a miracle. Say, man, that's scary. First, let's clap it up for all these people down here. That's scary what they did. Your family, you ain't got to do nothing alone. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, if you're scared, I'll go with you. If they say, yeah, grab them by the hand and walk with them so that they don't have to go to alone. Come on, come on. Let me see. Five. Come on. Say, you scared? I'll go with you. Four. Three. I just want to make sure. No pressure. Two. And see? Ha ha. One, reach your hands towards them. Bible says, Romans 10, 9, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart he is raised from the dead, you're saved. Believe and confess. That is literally, let me give you the picture of what that looks like. When you say that, your heart is opening and God's just, he's literally allowing a waterfall of his love to pour into your heart at that moment. You're receiving the love that he's always had for you. So if you're down here at the front, I want you to raise your hands. Why? Because I want you to be open to receiving. 
He's pouring it. You got to receive it. And I want everybody hearing online to repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, I've sinned. I'm not proud of it, but I admit it. Today, I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven to receive your forgiveness, to take the place of my sin. I ask that you would accept me into your wonderful family. Today, I give my life completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Stefan, you playing with me, man. <laughs> I got a gift for you if you came down here. Uh, there's a Bible in here, a WWJD bracelet, and a letter from me and Pastor Joe. We want you to know that we love you. Um, but also, if you got questions about the decision you made, people make decisions all the time, don't necessarily know why. We want to help facilitate and help you get some understanding about the decision you made. So you see that family, that sign right there? It says, welcome to the family. That's what you are. When you decide to receive God's love, you're not a member, but you're a part of the kingdom. Amen? So, because of the decision you made, I want you to know what's happening in heaven. The Bible says there's a celebration. I can't open up the ceiling and show you, but they turn in heaven right now for you, for you, for you. So, family, are y'all going to help me let them know how loved they are? On the count of three, they're about to cheer for you louder than anybody's ever cheered for you in your life. You're going to walk that way. Family, they're not disappearing. They're just going to be in the quad. You can find them right there. You can ask whatever questions you want. All right? We're going to love on you, take care of you. If you need prayer, we'll pray for you. If you don't want none of that, just be like, no, thank you. It's all good. We still love you. But more than that, God loves you. Amen? On the count of three, clap for them and they're going to walk. Here we go. One, two, three. Let's go. Let them know God loves them. Let them know they're blessed. Let them know they are so, so loved in Jesus' name. Build your church. Build your church. Build your church. Build it from the ground up. Build your church. Build your church. Thank you so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.